Snap Studios. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. You're listening to Spooked. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. People born to the sunshine, with the warm breeze at their back, these rare and wonderful people often do not understand their eventual calamity. How could this happen, they say? What have I done? Or even, why hast thou forsaken me? While those born under a shadow, they laugh. They learn early to suspect that even their good fortune may hide a trick. What will it cost me? How will it hurt? I'm born under a spinning wheel or a gambler's coin, and my fortune follows unknown seasons. Watch me, because my day shines brighter than the noontime sun. My music can make the angels dance, but my nights... No dawn wakes on my horizon. No stars shine in my midnight. I sit in the dark of the cave, the dark of the prison, knowing that this black season will be my last. Picked clean, wasted, to bare bones. And it's only, only when I can no longer lift my head to wail. Only then, the spinner spins leaving me to wash up upon the shore of the daytime, to weep under the glow of the sun. Then I wonder, am I cursed or am I blessed? And with the universe, please decide. My name is Dunn Washington. The wheel spins Spook starts now.
after they were traveling all the way down to a small town in Oaxaca, Mexico. And Francisco Vasquez, he's 22 years old, in the prime of his life, but he's about to discover all that can go away in an instant. Spooked. The village I grew up in is called San Jose del Progreso, in Oaxaca. That was my home until I was 22 years old. This was at my aunt's birthday party. She's the oldest sister on my dad's side. I wanted to bridge the gap between the families. I wanted to reach out to them because they had not spoken to each other for so long. It was dinner time. They start serving soda and water, but I didn't like soda. And the birthday woman walked over to me and said hi. She greets me, she hands me the cup of Jamaica, hibiscus tea. Then we all sit down and have dinner. So I leave the party and I felt fine, but four or five days later, I can start to feel like some kind of dizziness. I felt my vision suddenly getting blurry. I start to feel my knee hurting, my right knee at first. Some really strong stomach pain somewhere around my belly, really faint at first and getting worse later, much worse. I come back home. Once I'm home, I do the typical thing, take off my clothes, Get ready to sleep. And looking inside my pockets, my pants pocket, there's a doll. A tiny, tiny little doll. I find a tiny doll. A tiny doll. It wasn't larger than an inch. And it smelled like I was sniffing an orange or a piece of panela-style cheese. Panela? What struck me about the doll was that it was a very small doll, but it had really fine features. Her eyes, her little mouth, the nose, everything. Even the short hair over her shoulders, she looked like she was wearing a headband, just like little girls do. So the first thing that I thought was, somebody must have slipped this in my pocket, maybe someone from the family. I didn't think too much about it, I just left it there. I put it on a nightstand I had next to my bed. I go to sleep. The next morning, I just leave for work. After work, I went to my bedroom and took off my clothes, my pants. And for the second consecutive night, I found another doll. A little doll, the same size as the previous one, but a different color. Different color this time. I looked at the nightstand where I had left the doll the night before thinking maybe I picked it again by accident but no there she was the doll from last night and this was a new one well maybe someone at work or school they're playing me jokes that's it I'll give the dolls away later I went to sleep and next day, same thing, same routine, always the same. Get up, take a shower, have breakfast, go to town, 
get to work. But the pain was getting so much worse. It was getting much, much worse. The pain around my belly was getting sharper. And as the days went by, my vision was getting blurrier. So for the third night, I come back home from work. And once again, a new doll. And sometime later, I started to have other problems, such as nightmares. I don't know exactly how long after this happened, but my mom told me one day, hey, I was cleaning your room and I found you have some dolls there. There's a line of dolls over your nightstand. What's up with that? She said. And my sister, she asked, are you collecting them? Well, no, not exactly, I replied. I didn't want to talk about it. I don't know why, but something deep inside was telling me not to talk about it. Well, those are quite a few dolls, she said. Those are quite a few. Can I have them? My sister said, I like them. No, no, just leave them there. Leave them there, I said. Something was also telling me, I guess from my subconscious, that I had to leave those dolls alone. Every single day, a new doll. Every single day, the pain is getting more intense. Every single day, I was losing weight. If the weather was cold around December, it gets real cold in Oaxaca, I would sweat. I was getting weaker. My skin was turning yellow. I ran into a friend of mine. He said, hey, what's wrong with you? You don't fit in your clothes anymore. You look sick. What's up with you? You have eye bags. Aren't you sleeping? Your eyes are turning yellow. I think you should visit a doctor. I went to the doctor. I think it was Friday. So they plugged me into every single machine in the office. You know how doctors are. He immediately lays me down because I was way too skinny already. He's making a visual examination. He looks at my mom and he says, You know what, Doña Silvina? I'm sorry, but I can't give Paco any prescription. That's my nickname ever since I was a child, Paco. And my mom says, But why? Just look at him. He was fainting on his way here. He says... Yeah, but every test showed negative results. He's not sick. I wasn't sleeping anymore. It had been months, weeks without any sleep, weeks without drinking water. I had a terrible urge to drink water, but I knew that if I tried to drink some, an intense urge to throw up would overcome me. But nothing would come out. Everything was already too frightening. I even lost my job. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And we keep them bottled up. It can start to affect us in ways we don't expect. How we treat our family, our friends. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com. Dot com slash Glenn today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H E L P dot com slash G L Y N N. Support for Snap Judgment presents Spooked comes from Odoo. Tired of relying on disconnected software to manage your business? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an all-in-one management platform with a suite of user-friendly applications designed to simplify and connect every aspect of your company in one easy-to-use software so you can get more done in less time. To learn more, 
visit odoo.com slash spooked. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash spooked. Odoo. Because amazing employees deserve amazing software. And so one day, it must have been Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. I went for a walk in downtown Oaxaca City. And I clearly remember that I sat down on a bench in the Oaxaca City Square. While I was sitting there, a woman, well, in Oaxaca we call them gitanitas. They are fortune tellers, tarot readers. It's a young woman, she's about 30-something, she's passing by and she offers me a palm reading. Care for a palm reading, young man? No thanks, thank you. I'm skeptical, not believing any of that. For some reason she's insisting and says, I truly want to read your palm, young man. You know what? I'm going to do it for free. She said something in the lines of, young man, you should understand that what's happening to you is not natural. You can look around for the most important doctor you may find, but they won't cure you because it's not on their hands to cure you, she said. What is happening to you is a tragedy. It's muy triste, dice lo que le pasa a usted. Volteo a ver a la señora y... So I stare at the woman... And I accept her offer. Give me your right hand. Now your left hand, she says. She grabs both of my hands. And then she starts to speak about the things I was going through. Listen, young man, she said. I know you can heal. And the woman takes out some pieces of paper. And she writes down an address and a local phone number. She hands me a note. She says, go to this place. Trust me. You gotta go as soon as you can if you want to leave. That's what she said. If you want to leave, go there as soon as you can. This is too much. I took a taxi to that address. As soon as I climb up the stairs, the first thing I see in front of me is a six feet seven tall statue of La Virgen de Guadalupe. Behind La Virgen, there was another statue of a Grim Reaper. There's an altar over a landing. And beyond it, there's a private room where there's a man that greeted me immediately. I'm Pedro, he said. Welcome to our consultation. I told him, I met this person and she gave me this address. She prompted me to visit you. And she said you wouldn't charge me for this if I told you her name. So he agreed and said there was no problem. He didn't ask a thing. And I didn't tell him a thing. He then said... Okay, here's some money. Have it. Go to any grocery store yourself, any store you want, and come back here with five chicken eggs. So I bought the chicken eggs. He placed me right in front of him. He wrapped a chicken egg, a Creole egg, as we call them in Oaxaca, and he wrapped it with basil. He was rubbing the egg against my body. He inspected the basil. He would look at me in the eye, and then the basil. He cracks the egg in a crystal bowl. And the water in the bowl turns into blackish blue. Something like that. He says, have you ever seen an egg with a black or blue yolk? Well, no. No, of course not. All right, then. Grab another egg. He says, I'm going to crack this egg, okay? I want you to notice carefully what is going to come out or what shape is going to show up, he says. But before I crack the egg, do you have in mind that you're the one who brought the eggs? Yes, of course, I do. All right, I'll crack it. 
And he cracks the egg. Un feto de ratoncito. Un feto de ratón. Instead of an egg yolk, there was a mouse fetus wrapped in some kind of slime, some kind of white reddish membrane. And it was still fresh. Oh my. That's the only thing he said. We didn't talk that much, really. Let's take a look at that leg of yours, he says. And he touches my knee. Does it hurt? Yeah, pretty bad. He says, okay, let's get to my desk. So I sit down. He goes around and sits in front of me. He grabs a notebook, a pencil, and he stares directly to my face and says, don't look away at any moment. He asked about the place and date of my birth, my last name. And he starts writing or scribbling. And when he's done writing, he closes the notebook. He says, how many doctors have you visited? All of those tests, it doesn't matter how powerful they are. They won't detect a single illness because you're not sick. You have nothing a doctor can cure. But you're dying. I'm going to tell you what, the way that this is going. If we look at what the people who are doing this to you are planning, it would be such a miracle if you're still around after six or seven months from now. To put it in my own words, you have one foot here in this world and the other in the grave. He says, I'm just going to give you the name of a person. This is a woman who you haven't talked to me about because we just met a few minutes ago. You didn't have a close relationship with this woman, but she's the one that is causing all of this. And this woman, she wants to see you dead, to kill you, to send you to the grave immediately. I'm going to give you the name. And he gives me the name. And I said, of course, she's my grandmother. Well, that's her. Are you telling me that my father's mother, my grandmother, she wants me dead? No, she doesn't. I mean, if it was up to her, you'd be dead already. And then he gave me another name. And I said, of course, that's my aunt. The birthday woman, he replies immediately. I try to recall. Yeah, it's true. I've been sick since her birthday party. How long after the birthday party did you start to feel like this? He asked. I don't really remember. I mean, it was a very short time. All right, then. And what about that Jamaica? He said this. If you ever want to fuck someone up with this kind of witchcraft, hibiscus tea is a really great option. And so is everything that is red-colored, because that's how you hide it. In your grandma's stove, he says, there's a pot full of water. It's a pewter pot. And underneath, there's ash. Ash left from the burning wood. And underneath the ash, that's where you are. That's the place where you'll find what's been causing you to stop eating and drinking and keeping you from walking and playing and hanging out with your friends. All of that. He says, look, young man, you're going to go home and speak to your parents. Make sure your dad goes to your grandmother's house and see for himself. In there, he's going to retrieve a photo of you. Both your mom and dad must know when that photo went missing. That's a much time. Now, he says, you're going to buy two pieces of flannel. One red, one black. You know what? I have some scraps here, so you won't have to buy anything. Tomorrow, when you're undressing, you take those flannel scraps out and put them back in the right pocket of the next set of pants you'll be wearing. You put them in your pockets. You put those scraps there because the amulet won't appear back tonight, he said, referring to the dolls. He called the dolls amulets. He said, look, I'm going to cure you in three months. 
During my hour and a half commute back home, I was thinking, among my thoughts, I was considering the possibility of my dad snapping out like, hey, what's wrong with you? Are you going crazy? What's your problem? I expected this because I was going to deliver such bad news. Muy congruente para la, 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 lo fuerte de la información que iba a, a darles. So, I arrived home. Y llegué. And as I was telling them this, I noticed that mom and dad were just staring at each other. My dad starts crying and he says, I'm going to do it. You know what? I'll even do it tomorrow. He said he was going to my grandma's house to look for that pewter pot. The morning after, I remember sleeping a little bit the night before, if only an hour and a half. The dolls had stopped appearing. And when I woke up, I asked my mom, where's dad? He's out, she said. And when my dad comes back around 11 a.m. or noon, he came back angry. He immediately told me, see, just how you told us. He had found a pot, and the stuff was there. He looked at my mom saying, look, Silvina, because my mom's name is Silvina. And he said, look, Silvina, there's the photo, as he threw it on the table, I remember. It was a photo of my high school prom night. And yes, that was me. And he also shows us a black ragdoll. That ragdoll had little pins inside. They were pinned onto its belly and its leg, exactly where I was feeling pain. The fabric of this ragdoll was weathered due to the time that it remained buried between the earth, the ash, and the stove. And I remember mom and dad sitting on the couch, and my dad tells me, Look, Francisco, son, the thing is that my parents were never on board with me marrying your mother because of the age difference. When they moved in together, my dad was going to turn 18 and my mom was 30. And my dad started crying. I knew that they're capable, but I did not think that they would act on it, he said. And then mom and dad start talking about how my grandmother opposed to them getting married. When my mom was barely three months pregnant, my granddad and my grandmother went to her address to beat her up so that she might miscarry. My dad cried a lot that day, that night. He told me, you don't know it now because you're not a dad, but once you have children, you're going to realize it yourself. And only then you'll know what it feels like when you're told that your own family is attempting to harm your children's lives. Truth is, up until today, it's a very difficult situation to overcome, knowing that your own grandmother wants you dead. Did you want revenge? No, in that moment I did. But Pedro, the witch doctor, had told me that he was going to cure me in exchange of me keeping it cool. He told me, we have a code. We can tell you who's harming you and prove it, but at the same time encourage you to not look for revenge because you're healed. Life has given you another chance. I told my mom and dad everything about what Pedro, the witch doctor, had told me. The witch doctor told me to throw the dolls away. He said I had to be the one to do so, but not anywhere. It had to be in the cemetery. He instructed me to go there by myself at 5 a.m. But the cemetery is closed at that time, I replied. He said, you don't have to go in. 
You just have to throw them over the wall and don't ever look back until you're far away enough that the cemetery is out of sight. Only then you can look anywhere, but do not look towards the cemetery. If you look back, the spell will return. I went home, and the first thing I did was trying to take a shower. I was reuniting with water. Yeah, I say it like that now, and sometimes it makes me giggle. But no, it is a joy laughter. Do you know what I mean? It's a way of release. Yeah, it's peace. It's satisfaction for being alive. I took a shower, I took some fresh clean clothes, put on my sneakers and hopped on my motorcycle. The motorcycle had some sort of saddlebag. So I threw the bag with the dolls there. As I approached the cemetery, I started pulling it out. I was a nervous wreck. I was scared. To tell you the truth, I felt fear. I had to go through 110 pitch dark yards. The street was one way and I had to go back in the opposite direction. I slowed down and I took the bag in my hand. And I threw the bag over the wall without looking back. I took off down the main avenue and on my way home now I'm feeling this refreshing sense of peacefulness already thinking that once I get home I will drink a glass of water because I'm thirsty I had this intense thirst feeling like I could just gulp a whole gallon of water Big thanks to Francisco for sharing your story to Spooked. That original score was by Renzo Gorio, and a big shout out to Eric Yanez, our Spook correspondent down in Mexico and Fernando Hernandez, who produced that story. You know it's never over, because the story never stops. This is not a journey for the faint of heart. Please do not step foot on this path unless you know beforehand that we do not know the way. Be afraid. If you like amazing storytelling told in the light of day, storytelling that might just change your life. Check out our sister podcast, Snap Judgment, storytelling with the beat, baby. The beat. Spook is brought to you by the team that never plays with dolls. Run. Run away. From Mark Ristich, Anna Sussman, our chief spookster, Eliza Smith, Lauren Newsom, Chris Hambrick, Annie Nguyen, Renzo Gorio, Leon Morimoto, Jacob Winnick, Tiffany DeLiza, Ann Ford, Eric Yanez, Sana Khan, Marissa Dodds, the spook theme song is by Pat Masini Miller. My name is Glenn Washington, and please go on ahead, set your alarm, lock your doors, check on the kids one more time, all of that, do all of that, but you can't forget the most important thing of all, the thing that can make the difference between a happy ending and a poor outcome. Say it with me now. Never, ever, never, ever, never. Never turn out the lights.
Summon in the Dark of Night by KQED and PRX.